0: Welcome to Karura's weekly podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to journey with us. We hope your spiritual life will be transformed as you listen in. We start in 3, 2, 1.
1: I want to uh, introduce to you today one of uh, our, our members here. She's called Mercy. As she comes up, I want to remind us for those who may be visiting either for the first time online or here. we've been going through the book of first corinthians uh part two we started this series two years ago it's called grounded and today we are on chapter 12 so i'll ask you to just open your bibles to uh, first corinthians chapter 12 because we are going to preach it in we're going to preach it in um we're going to be two people preaching from that the first person will be Marcy. Mercy works with, a, she's an executive director with the Maxwell team. Maxwell is an excellent leader, leadership guru, known all over the world. She's an executive director of that particular team. And I've benefited immensely from her trainings, training a lot of corporate organizations in this country all over. And so uh, we requested her if she could tell us something about, uh, about human behavior, as we, as we see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, Mercy has written a book it's called uh, Three Three's Divine it's a very interesting book, I've never seen a title that is cancelled and then something else put somewhere on top there. there she has her team out there at the tent, you can be able to see her and also in case you need to do a personality a profile assessment, also her team is out there, they can be able to tell you uh, how they can help you how you can live together as a family Or even at your workplaces in case you need to contact her just to do uh, a team uh, assessment and know how you can work together. Or even as a ministry here at uh, Karuda Community Chapel. Uh, Marcy, these people come here at 11 o'clock. What kind of character do you think they are? Is it that they just wake up late or they give that excuse that we have young children? What kind of characters do you think these
0: fellas are? Okay, good morning, church. Good morning, church. By me asking you good morning, I'm gauging what kind of personalities are here. But given the energy I saw, Pastor Shiramba, during the worship team, my my guess is you have a lot of D's and I's in this congregation. So you'll explain the D's and I will and explain I what they are. Thank you very much. Okay. Great. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much this morning. Thank for gathering your people in your presence. And as I stand before them together with Pastor Shiramba to share your word, things that you know you created us for, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and take over. Use me, Father, as your vessel. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen come on guys i said your d's and i's i expect to hear a better um, response from there thank you so much pastor shiramba and the karura community uh, leadership for allowing me and giving me this opportunity uh, to stand before you and to share from the word of god as pastor shiramba has said i am part of the maxwell leadership team as an executive program leader If you want to know more about me the book that he has shown you i urge you to get yourself a copy and get a copy for a friend it's actually uh, my memoirs i captured my memoirs and i have shared various things because i am a person of faith and in the work in the ministry i serve in the marketplace i believe god is using me for his purpose and for his glory so get yourself a copy you will get to see how God can use you in everything that goes in your life so that you exalt his name. Earlier, the first service, I was joined by my family, but given their personality, they asked to leave. And I let them because I do not want conflict in their home. So um, they send their greetings, but I'm still joined by my team, um, Janet, um, sorry Joyce and Gentrix. Uh, they will be out there, and they'll be ready to serve you. So Pastor Shiramba asked me to share about spiritual gifting and how it is connected to our personality. And I hope that the time we're going to spend together, I will be referencing a lot on 1 Corinthians 12, but also I will share other insights uh, from Scripture. I will be taking you through understanding how the strengths of your personality, my personality, can help us to improve communications with those that we work and live with. And you will see from the teaching today that we are supposed to be serving with our giftedness, with our personality. They are not for us. We are supposed to be using this the glory and the service that God has given us and I stress that because the spiritual gifting is not limited just to serve in church it's not just for the uh, for church ministry it is supposed to be used in everything we do because that is why God has given us John Maxwell says there are two great days in one's life the one day is when you were born And the second day is when you discover why you were born. And please note, in discover, the first four letters are what? D-I-S-C. And so the D-I-S-C is what uh, I'll be taking you through and share a top line because this is a teaching that I normally probably would spend a whole day workshop in and Pastor Shiramba has asked me to cram it in a few minutes, so you bear with me, isn't it? So what is DISC? DISC, or the Maxwell DISC method, is a methodology of predicting human behavior based on some key characteristics. Each of us are a combination of all four. However, it is to the degree to which we are wired in all of these four that helps us to determine the productivity predictability of our communication style what are our strengths what motivates us and what is our ideal working environment and so much more we will learn some weaknesses or blind spots and also how to recognize some patterns now I believe most of us here raise your hands how many of you have a phone with you a mobile phone Good, I see a number of you. My bet is that mobile phone you have, the number of apps it has, that there's certain number of apps you use more often than others. Correct? And there are some that you don't. If you're like my father, my father is very good with the M-pesa, but he would rather call you than text you. Do we know someone like that? And the same way as I take you through these personality styles, you will see that there are certain things you use more often than others. That's why I said we all have this form. But when we say this is your style, it means that's what you are predominantly using or applying. Now, you will see that this is actually biblical. Our personality style is biblical. In Ezekiel 1, verses 5 to 12 we see Ezekiel talking about a vision. And the vision he's talking about is in verse five, he says, from the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked like human, except that each had four faces and four wings. Now, in verse 10, it goes to describe the four faces. Each had a human face in the front, The face of a lion on the right-hand side, the face of an ox on the left-hand side, and the face of an eagle at the back. This goes to show us how God is a master illustrator. In this text, he is stating that all four faces are one body. The face of the lion is the D, the face of the human is the I, the face of the ox is the S, and the face of the ego is the sea, indicating that all of these are one person. You and I are a blend of all four. Can you see how gloriously and wonderfully created we really are? From what I will be sharing, I want to give you or to challenge you to have a new perspective in the way you view yourself and the way you view others. When Dyer says, When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. God wants you and I to accept the way He has designed us. In Psalm one hundred thirty nine fourteen, David said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that fully well. You know what? When you and I refuse to embrace what God has made of us, three problems can occur. Problem number one is we compare ourselves with others. This leaves us feeling either jealous, resentful, or dissatisfied. On the flip side, if we think we're doing better than others or someone else, we think that our personality is better we begin to feel arrogant and proud. Problem number two, when we don't understand our design and how God created us, and we try to be like others, this increases our stress. It has us saying yes to too many opportunities that do not fit our God-given design. And overall, it decreases our satisfaction in life. We conform ourselves, and we try to be someone that we are not. Problem number three, we project ourselves, our gifts, and our personalities onto others, and we expect everyone else to act, think, behave, and feel like we do. This is not what we are called to do. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 5, we are told that we are All different with different kinds of service but the same Lord we want to remind ourselves that even as we are being called to exercise our gifting and our strengths we are doing it to serve one God each one of us as a believer we have been given abilities through the Holy Spirit for specific purposes and areas in the body of Christ however like I said we all have a gifting and I want to say this because it goes beyond even non-believers why do I say that we are chewing beans if you see the image on the screen right now it shows what a chewing being is in Genesis we are told how we are created in God's image God the Father God the Son and god the holy spirit yet they are one we similarly have three in one we have a physical body which paul calls the earthen vessel which is the external thing that responds to our five senses of smell taste seeing hearing and touch and then we have the soul and the soul is where our personality behavior is normally evident this is where we think and we will ourselves you know the God given will is found in our soul and it is also where we become self-aware we hear a lot about self-awareness this is where it happens and then we have the spiritual being and a lot of us tend to confuse the spiritual being that we are with religion and I want to tell you today that All of us, believers or non-believers, we are spiritual beings. And that is why non-believers find a vacuum in themselves, because they are seeking a connection with the Creator. And as believers, we have been told in Romans 8, 6, that the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And so we want to be mindful that these three parts are working together. And whether in church or out of church, that we are connected. So having looked at the background of what personality has to do with spiritual gifting, I want to move us to looking at or having an oversight very briefly about what personality is all about. Now, the first thing I normally get asked is what shapes our personality and behavior? It comes from three things, at birth, We are born, none of us here chose where you were born. Did anyone choose? No. So we inherit certain genes and wiring just by virtue from birth. And this becomes a distinct pattern of our behavior. Secondly, we do have the environment. The environment where we grow up will impact our style. In fact, some life experiences in our developmental years, especially the very emotionally charged ones, can have a big impact on our personality. We've seen and had cases of people who've grown up in violent places and violent homes, and the impact it has on their personality. And similarly, people who grow up in very loving, warm, and caring, they transfer that. I remember growing up, my parents did not teach us how to hug. We, we couldn't hug. And then as we grew up, we had this other couple that became very close to us, like our parents, and they always used to hug us. And one time we were somewhere, and they hugged us, and my father was watching. And he felt very bad about it. I don't think he meant ill of it. It's just how we were brought, brought up. And when he saw that, that he realized we could, he could actually hug us, it now became something that we could do. It was all about the environment and how he had been brought up. And then we have role modeling. And role modeling in our lives will teach us what is valuable or what may even reward us for certain behaviors in order to reinforce those behaviors within us. A friend was sharing how he was driving through a neighborhood in Nairobi and observed these young children that were doing some role playing in my younger days we used to do kalongo these kids were doing a role play about driving and policemen you know matatus policemen and guess what these children were doing they were actually bribing how very sad yeah we laugh but can you imagine a few years later this is a role modeling they are seeing And it's upon you and I to change that behavior with the things we role model to our children in the places they see us. So let me now go and give you a little bit of a glimpse into the four styles, D-I-S-C. And I'll just share again in a very brief top line. There's much more that you'd normally get when you get to do the assessment. Now D's and I's from the diagram you see on the screen Tend to be more outgoing As you walked in this morning. I'm sure an usher welcomed you with a hug and a smile And I say people who tend to serve in the ushering ministry tend to be the D's and I's because they are outgoing C's and S's are more reserved and if There's a visitor. I know we had some visitors in the congregation this morning If you see someone not making eye contact with you, they're most likely a C or an S, so please forgive them. And if you walk up to an S personality, they'll be wishing, almost dying, and saying, I hope they do not speak to me. But if you happen to speak to them, they'll be like, okay, at least I need to be nice. And they will try their best to be nice with you. Ds and Cs focus first on getting things done, and then they think about people and eyes and S's will be much more focused on people and then getting on things done that is if there's time otherwise you'll be left with your things undone so these are to let you know when you see people behaving in this way that you respect them don't judge them these focus on results yeah they're much more towards being visionary they can be very proficient in multitasking And they love authority. This is the friend you have who will come into your car and want to drive you to wherever you're going, even if they don't know where you're going and they want to be in control. This greatest fear is being taken advantage of. Each personality has a fear that they face. And it's important to note the fear of each personality because that tends to be the point of stress that they will experience. Now, the eyes, the eye wired people, they are fun-loving. They are friendly. When they are walking into a room, you will hear them a mile away. You will know so-and-so is coming. Yeah? They love, we call them the life of the party. They treasure great experiences. And because of this, they fear rejection and loss of approval. Then we have our S-Wired friends. These guys... The prisons, ministry, visitation, they are there. Because as much as they're people-oriented like the eyes, they don't like the limelight. They prefer to serve in the background. They're easygoing, agreeable, very good listeners, very compassionate. But their greatest fear is loss of security or confrontation. They are very slow to change also, Yeah. They resist change and change of status quo. And then we have our C-Wired friends. These friends seek an environment that honors logic and facts. They're very compliant, great timekeepers. If you're starting a meeting late and you have someone agitated that you've started the meeting late, chances are that they are a C-personality. They're very detail-oriented. I say they cross their T's and dot their I's and they treasure perfection. During meetings that are like the ongoing capital um, program we have of the new sanctuary, in those meetings, I told Pastor Shiramba earlier on, there'll be the people who will be wanting to see the very last expenditure. And I is least bothered, eh? but the C person wants to see that detail and that's how they function. And as a result of that, their biggest fear is criticism. So having looked at each and every one of these personality styles, remember I said it's your dominant one and we normally see when we take assessments, a lot of us have more than one style. So you want to do your assessment and know because you present yourself in different occasions, different environments differently. So you want to know really in which order these personality styles appear in you. But ultimately, the way we are wired can help us build deeper relationships and connections. How so? One is by stopping to compare ourselves. Paul, who I dare say was, who can guess? Paul Style? D. Yes. Paul was a D. And he tells us in Galatians 6, 4, that we need to stop comparing ourselves because this can lead to envy. In Galatians 6, 4, it says, do your own work well and then you will have something to be proud of, but don't compare yourself to others. In 2 Corinthians 10, 12, we are told to measure, uh, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. At the same time, in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4, 4, Solomon says that envy is the reason why most people are overworked. It becomes meaningless chasing after wind. So you want to beware about comparing yourself. To others and I dare add whether it is in a couple relationship whether it's in a family whether it's in the workplace whether it's in the church instead of comparing yourself instead of competing with others we want to complete each other endeavor to do that and then you'll be serving in the right place secondly we also want to avoid conforming Conforming is when people do not understand your style and will criticize you and try to get you to conform to what they think you should be doing. My advice, please ignore them and model Paul who avoided comparisons, resisted exaggerations, and sought only God's uh, communication. In Romans 9, 2021, we are reminded that God is the potter and we are the clay and he will model us to whatever purpose that he deems us fit for and we should not complain. Similarly, in first Corinthians seven seventeen, we are reminded that nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned them just as God has called them. So let's remain true to that and not conforming ourselves to the patterns of this world as we read in Romans 12 two. And thirdly, we want to be reminded, looking at our personality styles, that God loves variety. Imagine that there are 600 varieties of beetles. That little insect, 600 varieties. So how much more would God want to celebrate the different strengths, gifting, and personalities that we are. And back again to Corinthians 12, it says how we are different, but looking at this, we are predictably different, and we are all serving God's purpose. The Bible has given us plenty of examples that God uses for personality styles. We said Paul is a D, on the woman's side, the woman at the well is believed to have been a D personality when it comes to the eye who do you think was an eye Peter Peter was an eye and that's why he didn't stop to think he was happy to walk on water not thinking about what danger lay ahead it only dawned on him later And on the women's side, Mary Magdalene is believed to have been an I. When it comes to the S, who wants to guess? John. John is believed, the disciple John is believed to have been an S. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was also believed to have been an S personality. And the C's, guess? Thomas, yes, doubting Thomas uh, was a C. He wants to see evidence. And also on the women's side, uh, Martha. Is it Martha or Mary? One of the two. The one who wanted the detail. not The one who went to sit before Jesus. Was believed to have been a C. And also Luke. Luke and the way he's written the detail. And he's believed he was a doctor. So a lot of doctors are believed to be C's. And accountants too so uh, we're encouraged to accept who God made you to be nobody is good at everything and you're called you're not called to do everything when you try to exceed what God shaped us for we experience stress to attempt to be what you are, you weren't created to be will always lead to frustration fatigue and failure. Hebrews 12.1 reminds us to run with perseverance, the race that has been marked out for us. Many times I get asked by people, which of these four styles is the best? The answer is, of course, your style. You are gifted with strengths that, when used, will contribute to work and lives around you. No one wants to, nor should be intentionally placed in areas where there's no gifting or motivation. Do not be, I mean, we have scenarios of people waking up every morning, going to work for work they do not like, and they come home every evening. If that is you today, I challenge you, please get out of that place. It's very frustrating. And you don't want to be there. If we operate outside of our gifting. But in areas that we like to serve. We will accomplish good things. But guess what? You will not reach your potential impact in the ministry. So that's why it's important to know yourself. Leverage on your strength. So that you can have an impact. And exceed the potential that God has put inside of you. The goal is for the spirit to lead and guide us, breaking and molding us so that we are able to accomplish God things as opposed to good things. Never underestimate where God may use you and give you his strength. And then when we take time to communicate and communicate uh, connect with others through the style that is theirs as opposed to ours, from a biblical perspective, We will be trying to be like jesus we build a bridge and become as apostle paul stated in 1 corinthians 9 19 to 23 we see how paul says to the jews he became a jew to those who are under the law he tried to be like them to those who were weak he tried to be like them and that is what we are being called to emulate so that we are serving others above ourselves Your style is best and that makes everyone better. I want to just conclude by saying if you're here and the reason you're living a stressful life and fulfilled life overworked and below the potential in your life, chances are that you're not living out of your gifting or the place of your strength. I invite you come. Get yourself a personality test and let's help you, personality assessment, sorry, and let's help you find your gifting and help you move to the place that God has gifted you so that you can be complete and help others be complete. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, Mercy.
1: Uh, Today we had been given two chapters to preach from, so we move to chapter 13 still under the title of Grounded. And today we are looking at unity in diversity. You may recall in chapter 12, the Corinthians were fighting with each other even though they were so gifted so that their gifts were not actually helping them. So today we look at, right now we look at chapter 13. And I'll kindly request you, if you don't mind, just reading that chapter with me. If you could stand up and just read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter Thirteen. It reads, "If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to the hardships that I may boast." but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Verse 8. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part; then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain: faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Please take your seats. And so, in this in this particular uh, in this particular chapter, Paul shows us three major themes. One, he shows us the greatness of love and that is from verse 1 to 3. He says the essence, basically the essence of Christianity is not power, gifts or talents but rather it is God's love and grace. It is love that enables these gifts and these talents to work in real power value and blessing. This could be in a group of friends, it could be in your family, it could be even the place where you work. When there is love that comes in your life then these gifts become meaningful. Otherwise, they can become divisive. They can become those that make a place unbearable. Jesus came because he loves us. He didn't come because of his power or even his holiness. That is not what drove him down here. But you see, the Corinthians, they were having a problem. If you look in the previous chapter, chapter 12, verse 31, they were actually chasing the public uh, gifts, you know, those that are visible, those that are showy, The the, the showy ones, so that they they can they can be recognized and they can be because they were looking inward as opposed to looking at what God is able to do. That's why Paul tells them that in a body, even those parts that don't look as though they are important, they are very important, and that is why he tells them that do not disregard the gift that you have and thinking it is not as important as the others. So the Corinthians were trying to have the gift of the spirit without the fruit of the spirit. Now those two are different and Massey has said it very clearly. Even non-believers, they have some of these gifts. Uh, you, you you, You may recall somebody like Balaam, he had several gifts but even there are some like Judas, he didn't believe in Jesus Christ but he went with the disciples they were healing people, they were performing miracles but he did not actually believe in this. So that on the day of judgment Judah's name will not be in the book of life Even though he's doing all these things So we must always be very careful That we are not just uh, Using the gifts that we have Without the Holy Spirit We must walk in the Holy Spirit You may recall Samson Samson was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit But the gifts confused him He was doing great things He was doing great battles And then he began to disregard the Lord One day he woke up He didn't even realize the Holy Spirit had left and so he woke up to try and go and fight the Philistines. His hair had already been cut off. The Holy Spirit had been cut off and there was nothing. So we must not always confuse the different. We must not confuse having gifts and having the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is calling these people to is to be in Christ Jesus. Because when you're in Christ Jesus, then the Holy Spirit works through you. And then the Holy Spirit is able to produce fruit. Paul is basically saying here that... When we work in the flesh we have no impact the lack of love that comes from the holy spirit it eliminates the impact of our gifts and the benefits that it would come and accrue to the people around us and it makes us nothing paul noted that this lack of love was actually what was causing problems in Corinthians, and so he provides a solution he tells them look this is love the second thing that paul does is he, he points us to the perfection of love. This is from verse 4 all the way to verse 7. Love, he says, is an act of selfless sacrifice on behalf of others. Just like John chapter 3.16 where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to us. That's an act of sacrifice on behalf of others. It's It's not something you feel I know For very many young people, when you talk of love, you know, when you read chapter 13, they're just, you know, ah, I feel it. But really, it's not something you feel, it's something you do. That is what love is all about. The fruit of the Spirit comes out as we walk in the Spirit Himself. So the more you see the love of God, as you see Him showing it to us, the more we allow Him to grow through us to be able to, uh, to go to others. The Greeks, the classic Greeks, they had certain expressions of love. They had arios, which was basically about taking. This is love for me. I want to take for my own flesh. Then they had philea, which was a friendship, where you take and give. But they did not have this agape one, which came much later. This is the love that just gives sacrificially. Where did Paul get these definitions of love? If you read the whole of 1 Corinthians, Paul was basically picking from what he had told the Corinthians. In, in chapter 8, he had mentioned to them that they were puffed up. They were proud. And so he says, love is not proud. In chapter, se- in chapter 10, he had told them that you are self-seeking. And he reminds them that love is not self-seeking. In other words, when you begin to be just self-seeking and using your gifts and your personality for yourself, then you miss out on the, the impact and the, what, what the love can do for others and for the church of Jesus Christ and in fulfilling the mission that God has given us to. So our gifts are not always about us. They are to serve others in a sacrificial way. In in chapter 7, he told them that you are rude. And so he keeps on explaining these uh, visions of love so that they can understand how God acts. Last week, we looked at the, the Holy Communion table. That is the epitome of God's love, selfless love that he gives. And so there was jealousy in this church. There was, Although even though also there was healing, there were miracles. There was just a lot of divisions, a lot of fighting, a lot of pride that was in this church. You know, this f- love being a fruit, it grows. It takes time. It's not just something that just happens at once. One of the things that I've sensed in my own life that I feel I'm growing in is patience. I, I was never always patient. I remember, especially when I was younger, I was so impatient. But I feel this is an area that I'm actually beginning to grow. And I'm just excited to hear about that. I, I also fear for myself a lot because long ago I used to have people who are older than me, many people. Like go into a room, I had a lot of older people and they would correct me. And they would help me to calm down and look at things. Now, the fact that some of us have these gifts or not gifts, but we stand before people my greatest danger is pride. So I'm invited to speak somewhere, and I want—I almost think I know more than the people I'm speaking to. And so for me, the biggest danger is pride. And the fact that I go into a room, and most of the time I'm among the older people in that room. they not many, many Africans don't like to correct older people. So I don't have many people to correct me. Although I have some friends, I have people like Reverend Gary, I also have a group of friends I've had since for 35 years as a Bible study group. For them, they don't know me me as a pastor. And so I have to deliberately be very open to them and tell them, look, I think I'm struggling with pride over here, or I'm being like this. I thank God for my wife. I asked her, what are the areas I haven't really grown? She told me stubbornness. She told me, you're still stubborn. And you know, if she doesn't tell me that, there are very few people who will tell me that. You know, for me, when i am lost when i'm looking for i'm going to a place you know sometimes even google maps lose you when i'm looking for a place i don't like to ask people to give me direction and in any case i enjoy getting lost cuz i discover new routes now when i'm with hashida i like to get lost and it's that kind of that, that kind of thing in me so for me some of the key people in these elders for in this church are elders because elders are people who tell me what you people were preaching is not in the Bible. You know? So I must be very careful to always be submissive because pride for me is real in every way. And you know when I finish this service, I know you clapped for mercy. I know you'll clap for me. Guess what will happen? I become puffed up. Then I reach there and my wife asked me, when are you are interviewing those people and you don't even know how to interview, you, did, you forgot the questions. And I'm like, now this woman, I would rather not look at this one. Let me look at these ones who are telling me you did very well. So I struggle with that and I need people around me who can be able to help me. And love calls out and that that kind of thing where they, they are willing to be able to, to be allow the fruit of the Holy Spirit to grow in them. And then Paul brings us to the concept of the persistence of love. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 from verse 8 all the way to 13, he says now these three remain, faith, hope and love. Faith is looking backwards at what Jesus has done for us. By grace, you've been saved by faith. All my past has been taken care of. I'm completely secure about my past. But my future, the fulfillment of that hope about the, the, the coming the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, my future is perfectly, completely secure because of what Jesus has done and because of what we are looking forward to. And so that leaves me secure enough to be able to love. To be able to love and to, to, to be there for people. I don't have to be insecure that so and so will do this. after. I don't have to compete and try to feel that I'm I'm much greater. But yet I know as long as we're in this world, we must always walk close to the Lord. For those of you who don't know the Lord, as mercy comes up, it's... What scares me most is Matthew chapter 7 from verse 21 to 23. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones, the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil to us. In other words, these people are spiritual nothing. Even though they may be doing things, even in the name of God, casting out demons, performing miracles, driving out demons, they are nothing. And I pray that you will not leave this church being a nothing in the eyes of God. That in the eyes of God, you'll be somebody because of who he is. Masi, I I want to ask you You've done a lot of these gifts, these personality things. How does it work in families? Have you ever had experiences where you can say something about how it works in families?
0: Thank you, Pastor Shiramba. I'll begin with my own family. And um, like I shared before, when you do your own assessment, you get to know what exactly your style is. The first place I ever did it was with my own husband. My husband is a DC and I'm SIC. That already tells you he's more detail-oriented and I'm more people-oriented. And what used to happen is in our earlier days of marriage, like now, I told you they were in the first service, they've left, they've gone home. Me being people-oriented, I would have taken great offense, very great offense. In fact, maybe I'd not be talking to him after this. Am I speaking to some wives here? Yes. But now, knowing who he is and I know what he is, he's attended church. Why should I make him extend? This is really pushing him out of his area of comfort. And so we've learned how to relate like that. When we're going somewhere, he's not the type to tell me we're living at now it's twelve twenty eight. He'll tell me we're living at twelve twenty eight not 12 30 not 12 15. and i used to walk in you know i strolled the car 15 minutes later he said he gets offended so i learned that doing these things and and managing to to minimize conflict before between us because you cannot eliminate conflict my son and him share a similar personality but they are different people now my son we talk about my desk and its tidiness my personality, if you find things everywhere, know I'm working very hard. If things are arranged, I have not been working. I've been panga panga eh? And for them, their personality, they want perfection. So we've had to now relate with them. They're like, leave my space alone. You do you, I do me. So there are little things we will blend into each other. We will adapt But sometimes we just let each other be. And this has been very powerful. Another example one... give me a minute. Okay. Could I see you for a minute? Thank you. (laughs) I think I know what's happening, so I'll not say anything. Thank you. Are we okay? I've been given five minutes. We're okay. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, uh, Pastor Winnie, from what I've been told and who she's learned from, I think she's very perfectionist in the way she works. I think she's a C. Pastor Shiramba, you bear me witness? Yes. Yeah, so we have to ask for permission if we're going over. And, and you see, she said yes, if we ask. If we didn't ask, she'd be very offended that we did it without asking. So that's how you and manage all it. The in the room. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and that goes to all the seats in the room. So um, the other example I want to give was a client that came to me during covid A couple that was being uh, had challenges with their 11 year old daughter they could not control her she was going to bed late playing video games she wakes up late she's giving trouble to the maid and all that and when we did because we do have disc assessment for the different age groups when we did her personality assessment we discovered she was a d and so was her father now we say two d's in the room if none of them is willing to come down, it's like two elephants fighting. What suffers? The grass suffers. The mother is a nurse. So you can imagine how much anguish she was going through. But when we, we went through the session and I challenged them, I told them, you cannot tell your daughter what to do, but challenge her. Tell her to come up with her own program. Let her do it. And then hold her accountable. Because that's what it is like, to be challenged. And that brought a lot of peace in that home. She was able to plan herself. She even stated she wanted to be spending more time with her father, which I told him, just like we've asked for permission from Pastor Winnie, if you are not going to make it to be with her because of work, let her know and schedule a different time. So that brought a lot of peace in the home. And that's something actually I would encourage you here. You're a parent, whether they're young, The times we are parenting now is not the same time we were parenting in our days. Get to know your children. Understand who they are. What is their giftedness? What is your own uh, personality style? And how do you blend or adapt to each other so that you can communicate better, you can minimize conflict, and you can raise productivity of either one of you? That is what I would say, Pastor Shiramba.
1: And there's a concept from First Corinthians chapter 13 where one has to consider the other person when we are, when we are together. Paul says, because love, and also, you also read chapter 9, mm-hmm. where we have to be flexing for the other person. Mm-hmm. Could you just say something briefly about that?
0: Yes, Pastor Shiramba, and that's why I brought this ball on here. I'm going to hold it to you, Pastor Shiramba, and I want you to tell me what color is facing you. I hope it's red. (laughs) No, it's not a trick question on that. That's the color I've shown him. What is it? It's red. Now, if I tell you what I'm seeing is green, and those of you on this side can attest to that. If I tell you I'm seeing green, and you insist you're seeing red, what's happening? We're just not communicating. Are we seeing the same ball? Yes. It's the same ball, isn't it? Yes. But you're seeing red. Yes. And I'm seeing green. Yes. What if I just turn it around? Yes, I can see green. I'm now seeing red. And you're seeing green. Yes. So, this goes to show you. It's the same ball. It has different colors. And many times, the things we fight over, the things we quarrel over, is the same ball. It's just a different perspective. And if I cared to ask you to explain to me your red and I explain to you my green... We come to realize that it's the same ball, just a different perspective. So, friends, believers, before you go arguing at home with your spouse, with your children, at work, in church, it could be the same project, the fundraising we're doing here, and everyone chooses to see their own personality. I remember this ball has six colors. It could be eight, it could be 10, 20. Listen to each other. And you'll end up planning, and that's why i quoted you know it says when we change the way we look at things the way we look at things will change that is the bottom line of understanding this that is how we will embrace one another that is how we will get to practice corinthians 13 the love message love will excel love will be the message that we are preaching thank you how does that extend to love love others, do unto others as you'd like them to be done unto you. Thank you, Pastor Shiramba. You've reminded me of something that John Maxwell teaches us. You know, even in the Bible, it says, do unto others what you would like done unto you. And that's known as the golden rule. It's a golden rule because it applies, not just in Christianity, but across the globe. But in the Maxwell leadership team, we raise the bar and we say, Let's practice the platinum rule. And in the platinum rule, we say, do unto others what they want done to them. Because I'm not Pastor Shiramba, he's not me. I'm not him, and the other way it goes. But if I do to him what he wants done to him, then I raise the bar, and that is what love is all about. Thank you. Let me just push back. One minute as the worship team comes up.
1: In this book you talk so you talk of being healed could you just help us
0: to understand what happened
1: very briefly one minute
0: okay um yes in my book which i hope you're going to get a copy of i have shared a story that happened to me many years ago i got ill i went into a coma i was in a coma for five days and My family thought I was gone, literally. Prayers do work, miracles do work. And when I came out of the coma, I had been diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder or a connective tissue disorder, which basically means that the body was fighting itself. On being discharged from hospital, the doctors told me that I was going to be on medication for the rest of my life. And we're talking steroid treatment. If there are any doctors in the house, you know what that means. But I prayed and I told God that was not my portion. A few years later, while on a pilgrim to Israel, I got to experience a healing. And a healing, when I say healing, I'm saying totally healed. As I stand here before you today, it has been since twenty eleven. Can can the sis do the math for me? <laughs> That's about what, eleven years ago? Yeah? It's been eleven years. I have not taken that prescribed medication that the doctors had said I was going to be on for the rest of my life because I received my healing and I continue to thank and give all the glory to God for what he did for me and my family. Thank you. If you want more rich details, get yourself a copy I, of I the book. I need say
1: you consulted your doctor. You just did say you're healed and walked away. That's thank why you. I want
0: them to read the book.
1: Thank you. When you hear the piano
0: playing in a certain way, it says you leave the stage. Yes, thank, thank you. you. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ, or talk to, or pray with someone, kindly reach us on WhatsApp 721 God bless you.